Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Trish, something has happened to my face. Oh. Look at my eyebrows. Oh, yes. Oh, it's a disaster. <laughs> I dyed my eyebrows. Mm. Well, I've dyed one of them. Mm. And the other one, not so much. Mm, yes. So the girls were very cross, my teenagers, because you can do anything to your face, but you cannot touch your eyebrows. It's sacrosanct mm. for them. Mm-hmm. So now I'm in a situation where I don't know how to... No, because if you re-dye the other one, it might go darker still. You could just be all I over look the like place. like Kim Kardashian. With... Though, <laughs> I? Well, I won't, obviously, because I don't have any breasts. Well... But... You could just stay at home for three weeks. Maybe have that's you, an option. Yes. Have you done? <laughs> I have told zone. my eyebrows story before, so I won't go into that one. But it was quite painful involving a scissor and some cat fur, but we won't go there. Oh, my, yes. what, just when you said that, when I was growing out some my hair on my head, many years ago, I had a lovely little gamine sort of crop thing going on. I decided to grow it out. And this hairdresser suggested that I have a little fringe cut. And they... Oh, dear. <laughs> They cut it to literally a oh, no. One of the short fringes that's only people who wear Crocs have. Yeah, it's almost like a, I don't, it's quite Joan of Arc, I would say. And the, the real disaster was that it was two weeks before my sister's wedding and I was a bridesmaid. Oh, no. So those photos live on to this day. Everywhere it's the kind of thing that you can house. only get away with in Shoreditch, oh, I feel God. like. Yeah, kind of exactly. It'd probably be quite trendy now, but not to 25 years ago. Hello! Welcome to Postcards from Midlife. I'm Trish Halpin. And I'm Lorraine Candy. And we're on a mission to help you make the most of your magnificent midlife. We'll be tackling everything from mind and body wellness to HRT and your sex drive. Trish and I are here to help you have a stylish second act and answer all your midlife questions on fashion, beauty, careers, relationships, family, and as always, the challenges and joys of parenting teens. So I've been looking forward to our chat today, Lorraine, not just so I can hear some more of your mad musings on life, but because we have the fabulous Davina McCall as our special guest. You like my mad musings, really, (laughs) Trish. It makes you sound normal, doesn't it? it Um, We do indeed have Davina joining us, and she's going to be talking about a groundbreaking new documentary she has made for Channel 4 about the menopause. And we are whooping with joy about this because it really does bust a lot of taboos and correct a lot of misinformation. We think it's going to be a great step forward in making sure women are listened to and most importantly helped by our doctors, our employers and society in general. We're also going to be reflecting on our parenting skills and the cock-ups we've made along the way. Now I'm sensing a bit of a cock-ups theme for this episode. What with your eyebrow shenanigans? Yes, yes. Well, it's often the theme for all our episodes, Mm. quite frankly. Well, wait until you hear my nostalgia noodle at the end of the show. Before that, we are going to be a little bit sensible and helpful and useful and we're going to share some of the books that have empowered us in our midlife in our aptly named how to win at midlife section after the interview so on with the show rain you got a bit emotional on the phone to me the other day didn't you so do you want to share with the gang what set you off Well, I was having one of my melancholy midlife moments, um, but I was in the park, little playground I used to go to when the children were very tiny. Just happened to be there with Mabel, who is now nine, and her friends. So I haven't been back for a long time. But there was a lot of millennial mums. So I was Mm -hmm. teary about being back in the park, having all those memories. But um, I was watching the new mums with their kids and dads Mm. with their kids in the playground. And it really struck me the difference between the kind of three generations of parenting. So boomer, our parents, us, Gen X Mm -hmm. and millennials. Now, (laughs) there was lots of lovely negotiations going on Mm. with toddlers about time to leave and there's lots of chatting. And then one child took another child's toy, um, two little boys having a little, I mean, they must have been three or four. Um, 
Now, instead of just taking the toy from the child that didn't belong to and giving it back to the other one, the mums negotiated a little bit. But the boys were just shouting at each other as toddlers do. And this whole thing went on for about 50. I just wanted to intervene oh, and no. say, just give it back to him. Oh, <laughs> but it was such a different. And I was thinking, is it good? Is it bad? Am I making a judgment? And then I was sort of thinking about these different generational styles of parenting and looking back on my own kind of parenting. And we were, I think, quite sort of, you know, forceful. There was a lot of negotiation on when we should leave the park and Mm. I found a little survey teachers had done a couple of years ago so a teacher who had taught the children of boomer parents gen x parents and millennial parents Mm. said this is what I know the differences between these parents so boomer parents get quite angry very demanding Mm -hmm. but you know always behind their kids always for their children gen x parents no patience no time Mm, she said because we're too busy been, working yeah too busy yeah. we're generalizing here mm. millennials she said very timid always a negotiation no boundaries <laughs> um that's a general survey obviously not yeah. scientific but it just made me think and look back and think would I have done it differently oh. what do you think well I don't know that we would have done it differently I mean I can understand why you're feeling like this being in the playground and I think for you with a with a child in single digits you're much well, nearer at 43 didn't exactly I? and you're much nearer to all that than I am now with my 17 year olds but I mean I do I had a lot of strong feelings of, of kind of regret and guilt around that sort of 11 12 when they start becoming independent and thinking oh could I have done better could I have enjoyed my kids more could I have been more patient and then could I have because it felt like I spent a lot of time saying no I think as a yeah. parent that maybe is something that I regret have you seen there's this film on Netflix called Yesterday starring Jennifer Garner I have and heard of it you've yes. heard of it and it's basically a day in which the kids set the rules and mum and dad have to say yes to everything so it's kind of junk food everywhere and messy things and and all of that and I'm still thinking god no <laughs> do that but I was reading um, a psychologist who said that actually it is a good thing to do because if you let them eat the you know Kit Kats for breakfast and all of that they'll soon get sick of it very quickly but just kind of seeing things on their level from their point of view and but then there would be a lot of mess to clear up at the end of the day quite exhausting I just spent that whole time being exhausted I I think think it's it's funny isn't it I can't there was another piece that Alexander Shulman wrote about watching children being picked up at the school gates Mm. recently and she saw the joy when they saw their parents or their carers their main carers and Mm. she thought well I missed out on all of that because I was at work and Mm. I wasn't there picking them up from the school gates and she wasn't making a point either way it's good or bad or making any judgment on working but I suppose we can all look back can't we on what our childhood was like not all women have children at this stage of life but Mm. looking back on it does it is it helpful is it helping us that's what I I was wondering because I look at my children now and I think all four of them are exactly the personalities they were Mm. in the 24 hours after they were born (laughs) really right yeah (laughs) I'm not sure (laughs) that I mean I'm sure you do affect them and yes. lay imprints of, yeah. of behaviours and things. But actually, they are yeah. kind of the personalities I yeah, thought they totally. would be. And they are going to be who they, they are going to be. And I think maybe one of the regrets or things maybe I would have done differently is that the lengths we went to for like the music lessons, the gymnastics, the hockey clubs, all yeah, that stuff that you doing. think they should be doing, because otherwise you've got to give them the options, you've got to give them the, you know, for their future. And, and then they stop wanting to do it, don't they? And then you get really annoyed because you think they're limiting their options. And and then they just suddenly become who they they are meant to be as exactly. adults and they have their thing their thing that they do like i mean i'll just give you a case case in point here it's like neil managed to uh take the top of his finger off the other day he uh, oh. he has <laughs> He has a lot yeah. of accidents because he's a very, you know, was he practicing knife throwing again? Well, well you against a wall similar. in the garden with your arms it out was, in a leotard. It involved an angle grinder. I'm not oh, going to go Christ. anymore because we don't want to upset anybody's breakfast. But I'm useless and hopeless. Esme, she is Mrs. Practical, Mrs. Calm, Mrs. Sort of uh, First Aid. She did her St. John's ambulance, and I'm like, who is this girl? Who is this person? How did they? How did she come from me? Because I am useless in that sort of situation so they can't clear up in their bedrooms or find anything or they don't really know what day it or time is but she can quite happily bandage up and yeah and not 50 year old exactly exactly so I think it is that thing of like they become who they're meant to be and we're just sort of channeling on the way and I think with the distance I was talking about the distance that I have compared to you I I don't 
think about. I think about the happy stuff and the stuff that yeah. I enjoyed rather than the stuff I didn't enjoy. So maybe that will uh, be coming your way once Mabel hits the old double digits. I think so. And always referring back to the guru, Philippa Perry. It's mm. the feeling with, not dealing with, isn't it? Mm. If I wish one thing, I wish I'd sort of felt with them more and just did less dealing, less yes. saying no, because there was no one in that playground yeah. saying no to any of those children. No. Well, I think teens is the time for the feelings, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Those millennials will be exhausted with all that negotiating by the time they get to the teenage years. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Davina McCall is a much-loved presenter who has been on our TV screens for almost three decades. She's an award-winning broadcaster who has also turned her passion, health and fitness, into a successful business with her Own Your Goals website and YouTube channel. The 52-year-old has written four books and is a mum of three teenagers. But Davina undertook what she has called the most important work of her television career, a groundbreaking documentary that moved her to tears. Davina McCall's Sex, Myths and the Menopause will air on Channel 4 and it's set to bust the taboos surrounding this stage of women's lives. The documentary is a deep dive into the woeful way women are treated by the medical profession and Davina is startlingly honest about her own personal menopause journey. So, welcome to Postcards from Midlife, Davina McCall. Yes, hello. (laughs) This is really exciting because I've wanted to be on this podcast for ages. Oh, there aren't many podcasts that I rush to go on, not because I don't love doing podcasts, I love doing them, but I always end up getting myself in hot water and I say something because I feel so relaxed and then yeah. it turns into an enormous story and I'm too, always too relaxed. I always think, oh, no, 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 why have I done that? But podcasts are so relaxing. And you <laughs> well, feel don't so worry, we're absolute amateurs. <laughs> no, but this, but this podcast, I feel, is just is me. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed on your Facebook group, mm. but I go into your Facebook Ooh. group and I have chats with people. <laughs> They love it. They love it. I'm like, oh, no, hold on a minute, Carol. Let me help you out there. Um, (laughs) Yes, everybody listening, go on the Facebook group. (laughs) Now, so we have watched your amazing documentary. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just felt loads of emotions Mm -hmm. watching this, didn't we, Trish? Everything from anger to sadness. Yes. All the stuff in between, because Mm. it does really paint quite a shocking picture of how abysmally women are treated when they go through the perimenopause and the menopause. So that's how it made us feel. How did it make you feel? Well, even you even saying that made me a bit weepy. Filming it was not what I expected. And it was interesting. I was approached to do this documentary and I was quite busy and they were like, shall we politely decline? And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. let's not politely decline at all. Kate Muir, for a start, is somebody I've I've always massively respected. She's an amazing journalist. She's extremely tenacious and she's a great campaigner. So I was like, no, this woman's amazing. I really want to talk to her. I want to do something. I knew she was talking to Dr. Louise Newson, who is also goddess of the menopause. Mm -hmm. So I thought this is going to be an amazing project. And they said, oh, okay, well, we'll put that in the diary then. And I thought, oh, this is this is going to be great. It's going to be educational. I had never imagined that I would go through such an emotional journey filming it. And the overriding feeling that I got, and I'm not an angry person, was real anger, but anger to the point where it made me cry. 
mm-hmm. and and powerlessness and helplessness and absolute horror and frustration at the fact that well, I don't understand why this is happening. It mm-hmm. seems ridiculous when 51% of this nation are women and 100% of those women are going to go through the menopause that we don't all know this stuff and all GPs don't know this stuff. It's so alien. Yeah. And there's a real sort of sense, isn't there, I think, that comes across of the sort of shame and embarrassment mm. that we're, we're sort of made to feel around this part of our life. The sort of shame, perhaps, that we just don't know what's going on, shame that it's happening to us, shame that we're aging, shame about sex, what it does to our sex lives. There's so much sort of secrets and silence around the symptoms. Is that a feeling that you had as well? Mm. I mean, I got two sets of shame because I was 44 and for a year also, maybe maybe even longer, I just didn't think that me going mad was the menopause. I just thought, well, I'm just going mad. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the driveway in my car, this was one time, and I was looking for a word, and it was something really basic like grass. And I was looking at the grass, and I was <laughs> thinking, what is the word for that? And then I thought, I've got dementia. Mm-hmm. And I did call my doctor and I called a private doctor because I knew I wouldn't get through to a GP so I called a private doctor and I said I think I've got Alzheimer's my dad has got Alzheimer's my granny had vascular dementia so I thought well this is me set for life this is it I'm getting early onset Alzheimer's and um, she said look you've got cognitive overload it's it's nothing to do with that Um, But in fact, I don't think it was cognitive overload. Mm. I think it was the beginnings of what ended up being me literally not being able to find anything in my Mm. house. Where are my keys? Where's my phone? Phone's in the bin. Keys in. So foggy. And I was doing a show called Stepping Out for ITV. It was a live show. It was a huge sort of shiny floor entertainment show. And Katie, the producer, came up to me. And I'd done a few mistakes and I'd been doing that for so long telly I don't really make that many mistakes anymore I can I feel really comfortable presenting she said you've made a couple of mistakes like are you okay you seem sort of a bit out of sorts and I was like yeah yeah no I'm fine inside I was going I feel out of sorts I don't know what's wrong with me I can't quite process things in the way that I used to be able to so I felt enormous shame around changing and not knowing why I was changing, then when it dawned on me, it might be the perimenopause, I didn't want to tell mm. anyone. Yeah. I thought it would affect my job. Yeah. I thought it would affect the kind of work that I would be offered. I thought that it would affect the way that people looked at me, that I would be seen as dried up and a bit old and a bit, and I was like, I didn't, I don't feel old. I, I don't want people to perceive me like that. So I thought, well, who do I talk to? And I did actually end up talking to a cousin of mine who was the same age as me. She thankfully was going through something similar. And we talked through and we thought it might be perimenopause or whatever. And then I thought, I don't know what to do with that. Then the second bout of shame I had was around taking HRT, mm-hmm. which I had specifically said to myself, I'm not going to take. I've had three home births. I'm a completely natural person. Going through the menopause is a completely natural process. All women do it. I should just be very kind of calm and hippie about it and take natural remedies. I'm not saying that people that choose to go through it naturally are hippies at all. But what I'm saying is that I had previously been that hippie, like with home births and Mm -hmm. breathing through it and everything. That's who I am. I want to be natural. But I was going so mad Mm -hmm. that in my opinion, I went to the dark side. I saw HRT as the dark side. Mm. Even though it was changing your life. Yeah. Well, when I took it, I was like, okay, so this isn't the dark side. Mm -hmm. This has brought me back from the brink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This isn't bad. This isn't making me feel like Peter Pan and a teenager and I want to fly off and amazing. It just made me feel normal again. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, my God, I can sleep. I can speak. I can read. So there were, two for me, two blocks of shame Mm -hmm. around the menopause. First was being menopausal full stop. And the second was that shame of taking HRT. Mm-hmm. And I lied to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I told them I wasn't on it. <laughs> Friends of mine that were naturopaths or homeopaths who, who were, you know, doing rather brilliantly, 
well, told me they were doing rather brilliantly. And I just thought, I'm too ashamed to tell them. I feel mm. like I'm a dirty birdie. Well, it's mm-hmm. terrible, isn't it? I mean, the documentary is so good on this. It's about hiding things and women keeping stuff secrets all the time, particularly, I think, around the sexuality side of our life. So you are very honest, as is your trademark in the documentary. So I think people love watching you on telly. So we should talk about vulvas and vaginas. Yes, let's do that. We often do, don't we, Trish, on <laughs> yes, the programme? all the time. And we, like to, we like to do a bit of vulva-vagina talk. Now, vaginal dryness was one of your symptoms. You talk about it and you have a woman who went through absolute oh. hell, couldn't even sit Sit down. down. Oh. Um, I mean, it's rarely discussed and it does affect up to 80% of women at this age group. Mm-hmm. So why did you make the decision to talk about it on screen? Because as you say, you know people are going to talk about what you talk about. So what was your thinking behind that? I think because it is a thing that is so common and it really ruins women's lives. And if we yeah, thought it was hard to shame. talk about HRT... Oh my God, talking about vaginal dryness is like the end, right? <laughs> and uh, with me personally, how it affected me and HRT, I was lucky because when I took the HRT, that sort of did it, that cured it for me. Yeah. But what was happening was when I was going to the bathroom and I was wiping myself with loo roll, it was hurting because there was no lubricant down there to let the paper wipe. Yeah. I was getting sore. Again, that was another forgetfulness, aching joints, fatigue. It wasn't all night sweats and hot flushes. I got two hot flushes. I know other people that get five hot flushes a day. That was not my experience. So it's not just hot flushes and night sweats. The night sweats, though, for me were bad. Oh, bad. yeah. But vaginal but dryness, dryness is easily cured. For starters, it might leave with HRT like it did with me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. immediately I got my hormones right. I immediately returned back to normal down there, which was one of the most greatest feelings because I felt female mm-hmm. yeah. again I felt like I was being robbed of my femininity and estrogen is the female hormone yeah. right mm-hmm. and the estrogen from the HRT helped me there but you don't want to take HRT in terms of kind of patches or gels or whatever but you this is the one symptom you really cannot handle then a vaginal pessary is amazing it has zero risk Mm-hmm. of blood clots, cancer, anything. If it zero. was men, they'd be literally throwing it at them as they walk down the street, <laughs> wouldn't they? If, if you said to a guy, we're going to cut your testicles off and you won't be able to get a hard-on anymore, <laughs> but just, mm. just battle through. Yeah. Just bat- yeah. Just, mm. just, and you can't go on. to the toilet without being and in you agony. can't sit down. Yeah. This is a battle of the sexes, and I am very pro, let's all be friends, but this yeah. really is an example of sexism at its very, very worst. Mm-hmm. And I think it's about also denying women their sexuality, which is often the, the medical profession are kind of involved in that, and that we're supposed to age quietly, maybe just disappear, and we can't talk about this part of our lives. So in the show, you also talk about orgasms and yeah. libido, because you talked to a, a woman who runs a oh, sex company. She was great. <laughs> she lives in my town. I was like, have I never known about you? I should have why had your are... house buzzing. Mm-hmm. Tell me why orgasms, Davina's orgasms are important in midlife. I think she was a really, really shining beacon mm. um, because she said that she, through her sex toy company, she had been speaking to women on the phone about vaginal dryness, about what to do about it. And these women thought because this woman has this sex toy company that she would know a thing or two and they just started opening their hearts to her and she realized more and more that this is an area that she wanted to kind of specialize in to help support so she doesn't just sell sex toys she is literally a kind of forum she brings people together she chats about things she tries to solve people's issues and problems and the oldest client that she has is in her 90s (laughs) which gave me great hopes why should orgasms stop Mm -hmm. for anybody at any age I've not known about I haven't heard about no orgasms being a thing of no hormones but it certainly doesn't help your libido Mm -hmm. you know going through the perimenopause or the menopause isn't going to make you feel great about jumping into bed with somebody if you're tired or you know it's like having a toddler or something it's devastating on on people's sex drive I would say sex with, you know, your hormones readdressed is better. I don't particularly want to talk about my own personal sex life because mm-hmm. that's not great for my kids. I mean, my dry vagina is fine, but my sex <laughs> 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 
But they're fine with the old dry vagina. Eh? <laughs> What's really great about the documentary, apart from the vaginas, obviously, I mean, Lorraine and I have been talking about this for over a year. We've been researching it. We're journalists, all of that. But I still learned things from the documentary, Davina, oh, that I, I didn't know before that, that kind of surprised me. And, you know, while we're talking about HRT, I think you have a stat in there that says only one in 10 yeah. women are on HRT. Now, I'm gobsmacked by that personally. Which is such a surprise, right? Mm. But that WHI paper that came out mm, in 2002, when that came out and they said breast cancer is caused by HRT, women literally en masse through their HRT in the bin, Mm. cold turkeyed, off estrogen and never went back on it. I'm going to read something here that I was sent because I think this is really important to say that huge cancer studies like the WHI were on older unhealthy women, but they Mm. were on all the old forms of combined HRT. And that's like synthetic progestins, right? And estrogen, you know, the horse urine estrogen that everybody keeps talking about. They don't make that anymore. Yeah, It's not it's not how they make HRT because the new HRT is like body identical. And there is a big difference between anybody that's listening, bio identical and body identical. The new transdermal HRT that you will get, when I say transdermal, it's the one that just goes straight onto your skin, not that you put in your mouth. That is called body identical. Mm. The bio identical is often sold by sort of private menopause. It's clinics. unregulated. It's mm. unregulated. It's a kind of crazy cowboy land yeah it's very expensive don't do it but the body identical is what the new hrt is it's body identical and it's made it's all plant-based yeah so, so it's basically we, we're living under the shadow of that survey. We're aren't living they? under mm-hmm. the shadow Flawed. of the survey, and there've been further surveys which have highlighted the risks and the yes. context of the risk. And also, the other thing I think we should say is that it's a preventative medicine as well, HRT for osteoporosis yes. and heart but disease. Osteoporosis is massively. How? Do, why? Why still only one in ten women? I wonder. Big pharma companies will advertise medicine that costs a lot of money and they will put a lot of time and energy behind that but hrt is cheap (laughs) which is why everybody should be on it but it's not getting advertised because big pharma doesn't make a huge amount of money from it but just imagine if more women were on it the other thing is osteoporosis is horrific not only can hrt prevent it even if you haven't taken HRT and you decide, actually, I'm going to take it a little bit later on, it can partially heal your osteoporosis. So it really has an enormous effect on that. But the big one for me is obviously Alzheimer's. Two thirds of Alzheimer's patients are women. Mm. So it stands to reason there could possibly be a link. Now, before the WHI paper, there was research being funded into the link between Alzheimer's and the menopause. It got shelved and nobody will go anywhere near it for 20 years since that paper. And this is the kind of stuff that drives me absolutely mad. Well, it is because the number one killer of women in this country is Alzheimer's and dementia. Is Alzheimer's and dementia, yeah. Mm. And when your brain loses oestrogen... All sorts of other things happen, which could, they believe. But there's no research, so we don't know, like, do we? Oestrogen's the magic. Mm-hmm. It's the just petrol. magic. It is the... Well, Nadia Sawala was brilliant the other day. She said it's fuel for the brain. It lowers your long-term risk. Cardiovascular disease, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis, dementia. It helps you feel the va voom back mm. in your newly lubricated fanny. <laughs> it helps give you life vitality, energy. It's a no-brainer. And I was always a bit like, oh, I shouldn't be trying to tell people to go on it. I'm shouting it from the hilltops. Mm -hmm. If you are that way inclined and you're wondering whether to do it or not, absolutely get on HRT immediately. But do not take the oral HRT if you can help it. There are certain reasons where people will have to prescribe it to you. I've had lots of people on Twitter. I spend every night on Twitter talking to people about menopause and they are saying, oh, my doctor's told me you can't get patches. There was a shortage 18 months ago. You can get patches now. If he's saying he can't get patches, there is a pharmacy that will source you patches from somewhere. There is also gel and the spray, you just don't need to take the oral version because the oral is seen as not so good because it goes through your liver. 
Some women can't ingest estrogen through the skin, so they have to take the oral pill. And that is a personal choice. and You have to decide what to do with that. But most of us can very easily take the transdermal menopause and it's absolutely fine. This is the other thing we need to touch on, and that's menopause and depression, because there was a study of like 3,000 women who were menopausal and 66% were given antidepressants instead of yeah. HRT. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? What? We hear I mean, this both all the time. Trish and I, were, I was offered it twice. And, you know, suicide and divorce yeah. peaks between 45 and 49. It's not a coincidence. What a surprise. It's not. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? mean yeah. It's funny not believing those statistics and yet believing statistics of an outdated, flawed survey. Yes. that um, It just seems insane. I mean, I can only feel it's a little bit of misogyny in a way, or it's just not taking women... But what, the Seriously. other thing I was thinking, like a really strong way, because I think Britain is still very much, and, and any civilised society would be very much led by headlines. And as we've yeah. seen in the last year, the headlines that the press put out every day will have a direct impact on the nation. I do feel like there's a tipping point coming because the mm. noise is there, it's building, people are talking about it and it kind of takes a warrior like you to go out there and say well, like this. Us. And, uh, like us, yeah, but mm. you on the on the TV. And mm. um, and as I say, it's just such a succinct, felt to me very definitive yeah. look mm. at the whole conversation and it's done very well and presented very well and the graphs and everything are really, really good. You were talking about maybe a paper might take this up but what else would you like to see happen after the documentary airs. I can see women starting menopause Twitter accounts and menopause Instagram accounts. There was this wonderful woman called Karen Arthur. She started a great menopause whilst black. We need to really keep that conversation going and keep it at the forefront and keep going in to see the GPs and to not take it lying down. See, I feel sorry for GPs in a way because they don't get taught about it, Mm. which is a scandal gps will learn about something like diabetes not half of their patients will get Mm. diabetes Mm -hmm. they Mm. learn about osteoporosis half their patients won't get osteoporosis Mm -hmm. but half of their patients will be menopausal Mm. at some point in their lives and they don't learn about Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and i talked to louise yesterday i was like oh but prescribing it it looks quite different she said it's the easiest thing in the world and you know, she's there, she's got all the resources, she's got all the information. I want to try and make someone get that information that she has to GPs so -hmm. they can prescribe HRT without being frightened that they're doing the wrong thing or how much should I prescribe? Can women with breast cancer? She's got it all. Mm -hmm. She she wants to menopause charity, hasn't she, as well? So that's a charity launching focusing entirely on getting information to both GPs and women. It's going to be a website first, isn't it? You're a patron, aren't you? Yes. And it's crazy that we are having to raise money to try and get get information to GPs for something that all women are going to get. But that's what we're doing. And she's also got an app, which Mm. I would strongly advise anybody listening to this. The Balance Balance. app is really, really good. It's free. She doesn't make any money from it. She does use the data that she gets from the app to help other women. We tell one person the truth or we send one person the article and then they send it to... I've posted my interview that I did for Own Your Goals with Mm -hmm. Louise on my Instagram page. And every two months I repost it. So it's the top of my feed. And Mm -hmm. every two months I get another 50, 60,000 views and it's people that haven't seen it before. Mm -hmm. And I think, well, that's 150,000 people and maybe they're going to send it to somebody. If the bloody medical profession aren't (sighs) going to do it ourselves. (sighs) That makes me feel really sad. (laughs) If the medical profession aren't going to help us, we've got to help each other. Mm-hmm. Just this is what makes me so fucking furious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, women are desperate. Yeah. Like some women are really desperate. I was yeah. lucky. Mm-hmm. I went private. I had money. I was like, mm-hmm. damn it, I'm not getting hurt. I'm going to go private. But like the women are depending on you and you and me 
to yeah. share. Yeah. And and if you get a good bit of information, then fucking send it to all of your female contacts yeah. and go, hey, guess that guess what? What about this? Because then they will send it on to somebody yeah. else. And this is how we're gonna have to do yeah. it, one brick at a time. Yeah. That video diary that you have of the lady who's trying, you know, oh, she tries. God. That just needs to be seen by every GP, mm. doesn't it? Everybody in the medical profession. That is so powerful. And mm. I really feel that that mm. 50 minutes, 60 minutes of your documentary is going to make so many changes, Davina. Mm. I think it's really fantastic. Can I just quickly ask you girls yeah. something? You do this week in, week out. Do you get upset? I get very upset when I hear about women who are mm. Suicidal, and we have oh. had people contact us saying if we hadn't listened, mm-hmm. I, you know, we don't know what we would have done or where we were going. We had a woman contact us who was going to leave her job, a woman who was going to leave her husband. It's not that these things are a surprise to them, they're completely inexplicable and they can mm. stop their lives in their tracks. And within weeks, women are yeah. better. It's yeah. just, it feels, it just feels it just feels such a scandal that's not <laughs> and yeah. I can't quite still can't quite work out why it's just all this disjointed you know mm. and I, I think I remember Louise telling us the story of the woman who'd written her suicide note before mm. she came oh, to see I her yeah. and I think for all the women that we hear about you know it's a group of women for whom English is not their first language and this is mm. and it's not talked mm. about in their culture mm. this must be unbearable if their symptoms mm. are not being able to sit on the toilet or you know, all these terrible things that women go through again easily cured so so, yeah, we do get really, but we I mean, get that's why really, we started the podcast. Yeah, isn't but it, we get very, very, very encouraged, like yeah. to your point about the word spreading. And that is just, it balances mm. out the anger, put mm, it like good. that. And, and, the and rage. there are great and GPs think, who do yeah. know out yeah. there who are, and there are in, there's an army of men working in the medical profession to change this. We had Professor Michael Baum on the program, and he's mm. the leading cancer specialist. And he said his question is, why shouldn't women be given HRT? That's approach and he he has informed a huge number of medical profession and because he's such a powerful man men have listened to him as well so I Mm. do think it's changing and I do Mm. think if we had this conversation in a year's time we'd have a different conversation well can we let's come back we should come back can we do that from a year ago from when we started the difference is quite remarkable you and a half really now is it yeah definitely for sure and just I don't think I've talked about it a year ago no in this way well I wasn't on HRT a year ago it was this doing this program that kind of got me onto it because I was worried about the breast cancer thing and various other things and and it has changed my life it really really has and it's like wow well let's share the word what's interesting as well is particularly about you Davina it's because you are sort of picture of health you've health fitness exercise has been your thing you've built a an amazing business and brand on it and helped many many women in that way too and the thinking that maybe like if you're super healthy it might stop the symptoms it it doesn't really does it it doesn't it It helps you mentally maybe my exercise kind of life started in earnest when I was pregnant with my second child Mm because I looked lovely when I was pregnant with my first one and with my second one I was like ooh. I've been stretched. (laughs) You know how some people, I was like a walrus and some people just look like they've got a football up their Mm. top and I was not that person. And it got quite bad with my second child and I thought I need to find a trainer. So I started then and basically, if I'm honest, it was not about my health at all. It was Mm. only vanity. I just wanted to look good. But then I think as I've got older, it's become a lot more about health. So I I would say from my mid-40s, from knowing that I was menopausal, mental health, physical health, it's really all about that. Not so much looking good because I don't look as good as I did in my 30s, but I feel better about mm, the way yeah. that I look. Yeah. I definitely feel like for my mental health, mm-hmm. especially exercise has been a huge help. I'm generally quite a positive person, but this last lockdown, I found, I found an enormous yeah, struggle. struggle. Yeah, As the only adult in this house, you know, my boyfriend does come and visit. He's allowed to come and visit because we're both single yeah. parents. And you can form a bubble with another mm-hmm. single parent. But I have been quite lonely, you know, because I'm mm. the only adult. And I, even though I've got a 19-year-old, I do have to still be an adult parent, to her, yeah. like a parent. And no one that I can really talk to face-to-face about stuff. And I woke up one morning, I just thought, oh, God. And I thought, okay, what do I always do? I've got like a checklist. Get outside. 
walk the dog, talk to my dog. My dog's an amazing listener. (laughs) Get back home, do some exercise. And then I thought, you know what? I wonder if other people are feeling like this. And actually sometimes just seeing me constantly extremely happy is quite annoying. How old are you now? You're in 53. 53. So Looking back between 40 and 53, if we've got listeners coming into this zone, what's your advice now? Looking back, what would you have told yourself at, say, 40? I mean, at 40, at 40, you know, I had young kids. Yeah. I felt like I just very happily put myself way down the totem pole of importance. Mm. And that was exactly as it should be. And my kids obviously needed to come first and turned down quite a few jobs because I didn't want to be away from them. I tried to work kind of three days a week, four days a week maximum, so I could at least have three or four days a week at home. But I sacrificed, as is normal, um, a a lot. But I think probably what I'd say is, you'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's that's the one, isn't it? And I think when you're in it, and I felt a bit, like, where have I gone? I, I was a nut job and I don't want to go back to being a nut job, <laughs> mm. but I, I'm a party girl. I like going out. I'm really like, I love dancing. I love music. I love socializing. I love people mm-hmm. and just seem to be endless school runs, mm. cooking, toddlers, tea parties, millions of people over, but they were all under four, you know. Um, <laughs> Sticky hands. And then, everywhere. you know, not that often doing dinners like I would. host dinners occasionally but I was so fucking shattered I'd like Mm. it'd be dinner at seven and can you all leave at 9 30 because I I can't stay (laughs) awake but you know pre-covid I was really enjoying a new lease on life that's Mm -hmm. what it felt like look I've been helped with this new lease on life with HRT there is no denying that I've been re-given some energy and I've got another boost but I am probably have the same hormones that I had when I was 40 but Mm -hmm. my kids are older and they're off doing their (laughs) own thing and I have got a lot more time on my hands and I can Mm -hmm. go to bed at midnight and have three hours in the evening when I can talk or get online or do stuff I'm so much freer than I mm-hmm. was yeah. and so it's just you'll be back you know yeah. like oh, Arnie we said. Love that. and so obviously documentary out on channel four where else are we going to be seeing you Davina what else is happening um so I'm filming Long Lost Family which is that again, must make you cry all the time I, I never know. stop crying at that I, I can't watch sometimes because I just get I just know I'm going to just be crying for mm. about three days afterwards <laughs> it's, it's too much isn't it it's yeah. like it's amazing and I'm doing The Masked Dancer oh yeah it's a big guessing game again it's costumes it's big celebrities Mm-hmm. And we've just got to guess, are they a professional dancer? Would they have gone to stage school? Would they be a singer? Are they not a dancer at all? Mm-hmm. Then we can kind of guess other people. Uh, but, but know, fabulous outfits for that, I expect. Oh, I'll be wearing fabulous mm. outfits. Because I wear jeans and jumpers and coats for mm. Long Lost Family. It's like, again, it's like being reborn with my work because I wasn't sure if I'd get a shiny floor show again. I was reading that only 5% of women on telly are over 50. I can't quite understand that I mean all those years of experiencing presenting and then to lose women I wonder whether any of those women over 50 stopped doing telly because like me they couldn't read an auto cue they couldn't Mm, remember I mean it really did affect Mm. my work Mm -hmm. and I really did think I don't know if I can carry on doing this because I don't know what I'm doing and when I went on the hormones I was like oh wow I'm back Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, my tipping point work. was getting in the car and setting off and not remember I couldn't remember which side of the road I was supposed to be on mm-hmm. yeah and I thought this is now it's de- it was silly and funny and now it's dangerous because I don't know where I'm supposed to be here there's no mm. other cars to show me this I'll have mm. to hazard a guess at this way it was just a complete mental yeah blank mm. yeah I get that's a very good point perhaps women do so stop. maybe women are leaving because of the mm. menopause I mean I have always overshared in my entire career about things that could quite possibly <laughs> ruin my kid. career. <laughs> it's almost and, your career tip, isn't it? But I feel like, you know, the drugs and alcohol thing, I, I basically share because I was frightened that somebody was going to find mm. out and it wasn't going to be the truth. Mm. I wanted it to be from me and it was something that I felt great shame about and I wanted the narrative to be correct. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I shared about that. Not because I wanted to, but this is something I want to share about. Mm -hmm. And I actually 
think that there are a lot of really high up important women in television, mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, TV is one area yeah. where I would say there are more women in high powered jobs in television than there are men. Oh, good to hear. Yeah. And so I think they'll all just be like, great. Thank you. Well yeah. done. Excellent. That's what I'm hoping. Well, we're certainly saying thank you and thank for bringing us this documentary and for coming on to the podcast. Oh, God, I'm really exciting. Being I'm our, excited being and our excited. friend on our Facebook group. It's fantastic. <laughs> so you are our menopause warrior leading the way. We're all following well, you. Well, I feel like that's about you guys. And thank oh. you very much for being part of oh. what is a very, very, very important educational group of women that are helping getting the message out there. us to dispense our great knowledge and wisdom from our many many years on the planet for how to win at midlife and this week we're going to be having a very mini book club to talk about a few of the ones we've read that have had a big impact on us so hit me Lorraine with your first suggestion well you've had a bit more time on the planet than me Trish (laughs) I always like to point that out every week Well, a friend of mine is going through some troubles and traumas, big life change at mm-hmm. 56. So she doesn't want to overthink things. And we were talking about what could she read that, that means that she wouldn't be overthinking at this stage of life. And then we both remembered that we'd read The Power of Now by mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle, which is sort of two decades old now. Mm-hmm. And he wrote it in Belsize Park. And we were oddly talking about it in Belsize Park at the time. Now, I looked back at it and it is really helpful mm-hmm. for midlife and particularly at this stage of life because what it's about is quietening the voice in your head that tells you everything this constant narrative about things which keeps looking forward and then looking back rather than just being very much in the moment so not listening to any of the thoughts around it just simply accepting where you are in that moment and not overthinking things Oprah is a big fan so obviously Mm. I love anything to do with Oprah Mm -hmm. and he's got this whole list of celebrities that have read it and lived by it and I think the thing that struck me most was how powerful the mind is and we often let it use us rather than Mm -hmm. using it for our own particularly positive advantage and you and I talk about this Trish Mm. we always like to see the positive in things you know we don't want to go on moan about things all the time so I was just thinking that's a really good book to read just as you hit midlife so did it help your friend you think it's helped her yes it did because she was throwing forward so many things Mm. really thinking about the future really massively overthinking tiny detail rather than letting the the moment just be as it was kind of hard to explain I mean the book makes it sound very simple actually it's just very much being now and not overlaying lots of thoughts and judgments around now you know everything is as it should be in this moment we don't have to worry about things our mind makes us worry about it every situation Mm -hmm. that comes at us we react to because our mind overlays years and years of context and environment around it and actually we could just simply exist in that moment I used to have a thing at work when I was doing stressful things where I'd think I'm really not going to think about them I'm just literally Mm. going to think about the next 15 minutes at the most and actually you don't even need to think about that you just think about this moment this moment we're in I'm I'm trying to do that on a Sunday night because I get bogged down in everything I've got to do that week and it feels like I've got to do it all now or I've got to do it all on a Monday morning and it's like I really don't (laughs) it's just I think you know I've got a whole week to do this yeah it does well I've never read that book and it has been on my list for years so now that you've reminded me I'm going to give it a go but I'm going to give it a go after the book that I'm reading at the moment which is called The Wild Silence by Raina Wynne I'm not sure if you are familiar with her but she is a follow-up to her best-selling memoir called The Salt Path which she wrote a few years ago oh my god I love that book and it tells the story of how in their early 50s her and her husband lost everything they lost their home their livelihood all the money they had in a kind of business deal with a friend that went wrong and in the same week that this happened that they were made homeless her husband was diagnosed with a degenerative terminal illness so all sounding very gloomy but so not and instead of kind of waiting for a council house to become available and you know sofa surf and friend sofas they decided to walk the 630 miles of the southwest coast path while camping along the way and it's just this 
this remarkable memoir. Anyway, she's done a follow-up called The Wild Silence, which is about what happens afterwards and how they actually start to rebuild their lives because they all sort of lived on farms and things. It's about our connection with nature, how we've stopped being part of nature and instead have become observers trying to control Mm -hmm. nature, which I quite like that. But the real takeaway for me is seeing your worst nightmares happen, right? Facing the loss of your soulmate, you know, in a few years' time, starting your life from scratch, um, you know, it creates this kind of vacuum of, my God, what's going to happen? But then wonderful things can happen, as she proves. And life can surprise us, and we can surprise ourselves, because she'd actually dreamed of being a writer as a a little girl. Never happened, never happened. And then here she is in her 50s, becoming a best-selling writer. And she wrote the book, The Salt Path. It was actually a birthday present for her husband, because his memory was starting to go, and she didn't want him to forget this remarkable journey. And then it became a best-selling book. So that, for me, is just Britain. I'm loving The Wild Silence. So what have you done differently as a result? Well, I've stopped fretting about... You're a a prize (laughs) fretter, Chris. I'm a prize projecting forwarder, so I probably do need to read the um, Eckhart Tolle You're an Olympic (laughs) fretter, I would say. It just, what I will do, what I'm doing differently is I just like, A, stuff, don't want, want, need stuff anymore. They they have nothing. They have nothing, and they've just been remarkable. I'm just going to see what happens, because she's very much about, we often don't see the forks in the road that life takes us down and how we end up choosing until we start looking back and seeing about the choices that we've made and where they've taken us. So I liked that little bit of that. You can get that for my birthday in the summer, can't you? I will, absolutely. Both of those for you. Thank you. Now, my other book is Leap In. It's a fairly recent book by Alex Heminsley. It's uh, Leap In, A Woman, Some Water and The Will to Swim. Now, obviously, I'm going to pick a swimming book. Swimming, you were swimming. I had a really huge light bulb moment reading this because you know everyone knows I'm a big open water swimmer I if I'm anywhere near any kind of water I have to get in it almost immediately even if I haven't got some cocktail dress I just love it I love being in the sea so this book isn't about swimming so much throughout it she had a miscarriage and she talks about her bid to to get pregnant and it's really learning to swim alongside that but the nature element of it is funny we should both pull these out is very strong and what I learned from this book is you can take something you learn in one bit of life and apply it to the next Mm -hmm. bit of life and I'd never really seen that she got through the trauma of the miscarriage and everything she went through with this attachment to nature by knowing Mm -hmm. what her body could do in the sea and because Mm -hmm. she was quite frightened when she originally started swimming in the sea but the, the confidence she got from learning that gave her the confidence around getting pregnant and also you don't have to be the very best at every new thing you take mm. up I you know that was a thing that was very kind of I never wanted to let people down so I was always trying my absolute hardest with everything and, and I think I narrowed down what I did in life sometimes from a kind of mm. you know, hobbies point of view because I, I thought well I won't win at it or I won't yeah. be brilliant at it so there's probably no point in me doing it and this book taught me that just the kind of being in the sea yeah. is enough yeah, actually the pleasure of it pleasure of pleasure. it pleasure yeah pleasure. it was really life-changing and it really reminded me of a phrase my teenager uses all the time which I absolutely mm. love my eldest sky she says I said we're doing this and then we're doing that and then blah, blah, blah. could you do this and she says do you know what mum you do you and I'll do yeah. me <laughs> Yes. I love you, do you? You and do I'll you. do me. Yes. And that the book was is a bit of that. This is how you do you yeah. and Ooh. use all these bits to be oh. you. Oh, well, we need to what find our you, to? don't we? That's great. I love that. So my last one for you is called How to Be Sad by Helen Russell. And have a confession, Helen actually used to work with me at Marie Claire, but she, she left us to move to the middle of nowhere in Denmark when her husband got a job there. And she went on to have three children after, you know, a lot of of trouble getting there and she had no obviously job opportunities in the middle of nowhere so she started to write books and you may have heard of them the year of living danishly was a bit of a big oh, hit yes, a few years yes, back yes. and she spent many years while she was there researching happiness and kind of different cultural attitudes to it around the world I suppose because she was picking up on the kind yeah. of Danish way of living actually the full title of the book is how to be sad everything I've learned about happiness from being sad better <laughs> 
a bit of a mouthful, but it's interesting and thoughtful. And the, the premise is that basically most of us are terrified of being sad and that we actually kind of jeopardise our chances of truly living if we don't embrace sadness because it's a message. It can tell us what's wrong, what to do about it. And, you know, there's lots of really interesting stuff in there from psychologists and other experts as well as some really interesting, like, high-profile people yeah. talking about sadness and it's their experiences. It's powerful for teenagers to let them be sad. Yeah, I often think it, say... We don't want them to have anxiety or be anxious, but actually that's what anxiety is a good thing. Definitely. It builds resilience. It's all of those things. And I think what I've learned from this book is about recognizing and acknowledging sadness. Okay. So if I'm feeling sad, I'm going to sit with it. I'm going to feel it. And I'm going to notice what happens as my kind of mood changes back again, because these are valid feelings and we have to kind of experience them. We can't just be thinking, I've got to be happy all the time because that just isn't how I like the extreme. I like it very dark or very (laughs) bright. It's the bit in the middle I've got a problem yes, with. You're yeah. quite good at the bit in the middle. I, I like feeling desperately sad along, or desperately along. happy. Now, Trish, if I was going to write a self-help book, I think <laughs> it might be Get a Grip or Stop Moaning. <laughs> okay. What would yours be? Well, mm, let me think. Could it be, a bit of a pun, feel the fur and do it anyway as a tribute to Margot? Oh, that <laughs> Oh, my God. And all the life-enhancing things being mentioned. that stroking a cat can do for you. There's no life-enhancing from cat mm. stroking. We disagree on this. And here we are at my favourite part of our podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rest of it's just a build-up to this, isn't it? So this is <laughs> the best bit of postcast for midlife. <laughs> Nostalgia noodling. Take me back in the TARDIS, mm. Trish. Where have you gone? Well, I know you're going to like this because I know you're a fan. Star Trek. Oh, Star my gosh. Trek. I am okay. a massive Trekkie. Well, let know. me just tell you, we were talking... At, t- at the Old dinner table. Ago. Somehow, kids were talking about Star Trek. Really? Uh, yeah. But, of course, they were talking about the movie, and oh. I thought they meant the TV series <laughs> from the 70s, of which, of course, they have no clue. They don't know anything okay. about it at all. So we were talking at cross-purposes. And I was going on about how gorgeous Lieutenant Uhuru was, and they were like, <gasps> but she's really old, because I think she's in the first few movies. She's 84 she? now. Well, she yeah, I think she might be even a little bit older than that. But she's she's yeah. amazing. She's called Love. Nichelle Nichols. She, that, that's her. the actress who played her. And I just... She was so gorgeous in that little red dress. You know, she was just this very kind of capable, wasn't she? She was the bridge officer. She had the... the, She She was in charge. She was in charge of kind of communications, I think, wasn't she, on the bridge? That sort of sent me into a little bit of a research thing. And I found a thing that said, and I'd forgotten this, but the memory came back. Uhuru was also a talented singer and enjoyed serenading her shipmates when off duty. Spock occasionally accompanied her on the Vulcan lyre. He <laughs> wasn't really Vulcan, though, was he? Because it's just imaginary, isn't it? And it is. But can I just quickly bring it up to date? Because there is a Go new on. documentary out about Nichelle Nichols called Woman in Motion. Oh, and it's basically about the work that she then went on to do with NASA in terms of recruiting scientists, engineers, and astronauts. She was oh a real kind God. of, yeah, it's amazing. So from this kind of whole Star fab. Trek journey. And basically, she really worked about getting African American, Asian, and Latino men and women to fly in space. And there's a documentary about that. So so brilliant. Did you have a favourite? Was it Sulu? Sulu? No, I like Spock, obviously. Yes, I'm seeing you in Spock. Yes, a very... We always quote, there's one quote I love of his when he was says, insufficient facts invite danger, which Mm. is quite a good motto to live Mm. by, I find. Mm. Right, what about you? I have been back to the beach of my childhood, the 1980s, because a random memory popped into my head, and I think this was is probably it should core. have been the 70s, not the 80s. It should have been a teenager. Insufficient facts, Trish. <laughs> right, danger. <laughs> you are correct in this. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yes. Anyway, so we would be on the beach in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remembered that I had a little knitted <laughs> swimming costume. And I only remember this because 
you could feel it the little scratchy oh, feeling itchy. and then do you also remember that we would also get because it was so cold in mm. in the 70s on the beach and uh, there were no little Bowden toweling no. robes for us no neoprene to keep us mm. warm my mum would bring all our woolly jumpers made of actual wool so you'd be sat there in a sort of wet knitted swimming costume with a wet woolly jumper <laughs> over you and there'd be no nice snacks you know there'd be nothing no. little boxes special things to keep your apple from going although they'd just no. be a bag of crisps and some kind of biscuits no probably thermos of tea maybe right. that might be oh, as yes. warming as it got one and of those tartan flasks blanket but no you know no lovely mm. blankets like there are now the bit my dad would bring the windbreaker and drop yes. that giant hammer thing on one of us at some point <laughs> by accident because he was extremely clumsy <laughs> Oh my God! So you came back red, raw, itching, yes. and bloody no freezing. Lotion. Nice, yes, exactly. Nice. However, all I have are happy memories of the beach. Yes. It's wonderful, isn't it? Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Postcards from Midlife. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends and all the midlife women you know. And remember to subscribe on your podcast provider and rate and review us too. And please make sure to download your episodes so they count on our listener numbers because that's really helpful for us. And don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, our private Facebook group on Instagram, or you can email us at hello at postcardsfrommidlife.com. Bye. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.